Welcome to Everything House Music and More. And my special guest today is a good friend of mine, Mr. Ron, a.k.a. Peaches Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> you were not supposed to tell him that, Mo. That was supposed to be a, that? No, that was How you doing today, Ron? I'm good, bro. I'm yeah, really I, good. I really appreciate this, brother. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we're just going to get into it. You ready? I'm ready, bro. Let's right, go. Let's go. So, Ron Carroll. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's early. It's early. Huh? <laughs> How and when did you discover house music culture? Uh, I would say this. Um, house music culture was uh, discovered uh, through my high school years. Um, and what high school did you go to? I went to South Shore. Okay. And so, believe it or not, I was into rock music. Oh. When I first started, I was into Kiss, Iron Maiden, Metallica, uh, you name it, Alice Cooper, all of that. <clears throat> so, when we had a, you know, back in the day, we shared a room with our brothers or our sisters, right? We had one room. Right. So, on my side of the room, I had posters of Alice Cooper, all that. So my brother used to be scared, like, man, your, your side of the room look crazy, you know? Right. So I was into that at first. And then um, I remember my dad was walking in the house one day after work. And I got on Kiss. And I'm straight air guitar. Oh, I'm going crazy. Right. He walks in the door. He's looking at me like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So he, look, he tore the record up, took all the posters off the wall, right. and said, you will not be listening to this music in my crib. Oh, wow. And so I was devastated. Like, dad, you know, I'm a rebel. I'm rock and roll like that. And so after that, uh, then I started to uh, hear the sounds of house music. Now, where, where was that from when you heard the sounds of house music? Okay, so basically, you know, with my beginnings, you would hear of it. You would hear it on cassette tapes and things like that. Okay. And uh, so I started to you know, go to uh, imports, et cetera, and things like that right. to get tapes from different DJs and I started listening to it and we, me and my brother going to the record store because we put together a DJ team. Okay. And what year was this, Ron? Oh my goodness. This was in, um, what is it? 1982, Okay. And so we were going to the record store, getting the records, looking through things and, you know, getting addicted to it basically. And uh, I remember we had a, um, a crew called the Disco Jack Masters. Disco Jack Masters. So it was me, my brother Nate, okay. and his friend Brian. Okay. So together we was the crew. Now, of course, I'm the most, uh, what do you call, the uh, the shyest out okay. the group. Okay. So Nate and his friend Brian had all the women. Right. So basically I'm with them on the side. They getting all the girls, the girls hollering, <laughs> and I'm still in the corner looking crazy, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, but eventually uh, I began to... Uh, fall in love with the sound because I believe the sound is what really shaped and molded. Right. Ooh. And what wow. records were hot during this time? Can you give me a, a Oh, man. I would say this. Jesse Saunders records. Uh, I think I think it was a song called Real Love. Okay. Right. Yeah, Real Love was out at the time, but I, I always loved Jesse's dubs. Okay. Not the full songs, but yeah. when he did the like little beats. Right, right. Without yeah. all the vocals. Without all the vocals. Right. That's what I was really into because it was just a groove and... um. Chippy, of course, you know, his uh, songs came out as well. And right. uh, then you have Vince Lawrence okay. with the Virgo, right. the Virgo tracks and all those types. So were you, you wasn't DJing full-time at this time? No, not full-time. Okay. We were okay. doing like, we would convince people because we weren't even that good. Okay. We would convince people, you know, through their popularity. Hey, right, right. yo, let's do the gym room party, things like that. Okay. So were people using the term house and house music at that time? Not at all. Not at all. What, what, what were they saying at the time? You know, actually, um, at the time, because it was it was about the dance, actually. So either you were a jacker, okay, or you weren't, okay. So I think Jack was the first thing I used to hear. Okay, it wasn't house. House came later, right? But I think the, the word Jack, man, you be jacking, yeah. And I'm like, what's jacking? And right. then it became a dance thing. So, so for the record, can you tell us how you remember house getting its name then? Um, to be honest with you, I think everybody have, have their own individual situation with that. Because, Perspective, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was just all of a sudden, boom. Now, it, they had a moment. Okay. I think when Jesse was on TV. Okay. Remember when he had the record? Right. And I think it was the news that was at his house. Yeah. And they called it house music on the news. Okay. Uh, I, I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah, it, they, he was at his crib and he was like, I'm pressing the first vinyl on uh, Jesse. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, but the term house, I think everybody got introduced to it individually in their own way. And that's the thing about house. It's organic. 
Right. It wasn't this public announcement. It was like, right. what is this? Right. Where is it from? Who did it? It was that type of uh, situation that made House individual. Okay, so let's since we're there, who? What do you? Well, who? Who do you think made the first House record? Whether was it Jesse? Was it Chip E? Was it Steve Hurley? Mm. I mean, so you know, this is a debate that we go through. In our whole history of life. Yeah, and, and I'm just saying this because I asked everybody on the show about it. Yeah. Because I want to get their perspective of it. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yeah. Um, I think during the time of the 80s, going into the 90s or whatever. Right. Everyone had a beat machine. Okay. Even in Europe, they had a beat machine. Right. I think what people miss is this. It's not the music. It's a culture. Correct. It's a way of life. Like hip hop is a way of life, right? Yeah, we, we had a we had a house culture here. Absolutely. See, right. people don't know that. They just think it's a music. Right. Everybody say house music. No, house culture, bro. Right. We actually lived and breathed it. We dressed according to it. Exactly. You know, Jerbos and things right. like that. That's so why I made a record and named it house culture. We, we, we was featuring. That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. right. That, I was doing a little <laughs> scat thing. I remember that. <laughs> right. So that's what I mean. Like, there's no such thing to me as the first house record, okay. because house was a culture. Before music, I believe, before the tracks were being titled. Well, yeah, but but you still have that record that ties in the whole genre. You know, it's just like hip hop. So, what ties in nationally or internationally? Well, I'm just just locally at first because it it wasn't nationally. House okay. music wasn't nationally at all at first. Okay, so for me, if if you want to use the term house and how it was introduced, mm -hmm. was Chippy? Okay, because it said it's house. Okay, it's house. Yes, right. right. Chip, don't. <laughs> Chip, like I told you, right. he hit the table. So when did you fully start becoming DJing on the regular? Well, <clears throat> I would say it was in the mid-80s when I started to go really, really hard at it. And the only thing that made me go hard at it was it was a guy in our school. Because everything at the time, to explain to viewers, everything was locally. Mm -hmm. Right. We weren't like going everywhere. Right. Everything was in your area. So in my area, there was a guy that was like the coldest DJ. And out of my brother and out of Brian, he called me out. And what was his name? Andre something. Okay. I forgot, but he called me out, bro. Okay. Me. I'm like, why me? Like right. my brother and them famous. Right. But he called me out. I just said, you, we in the hallway, you know, everything. And let me explain everything happen in the hallways of the high school or the school, okay? <laughs> the call-outs, wasn't no phones and all of that. It was a call-out. So everybody's in the hallway going in between class. The okay. dude confronts me. Saturday night, my house in the basement, because we threw parties in the basement. Right. My house in the basement, you and me battle. Ooh. I'm like, I'm looking around like, me? Right, right. I'm like, cool. Okay. I got pumped up, Mo. I said... <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I'm coming because you know you were in front of everybody. Right, right. So everybody's like, ooh, we all gonna be there. So we get there. And you know, we had the belt drives, guys. Right. We didn't have the, the 12. Yeah. SL1. SL1. Yeah. And so uh we get down there, it's packed. Packed. He on there doing everything. He scratched you. Right. Going crazy. Dude, I promise you, Mo, when I was putting the needle on there, it was my turn. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Right. My hand was like this. I'm like, oh, no. Right, right, right. But it was that moment of me failing. Okay. That's an important word. It was that moment of me failing that made me say, you know what? I'm going to go hard. Right. I'm going to go all the way with this, and I'm going to see where it takes me. Because that moment mm -hmm. defined me. I was like, whoa. Right. I failed in front of everybody. And yeah. they laughed. And it was great, though. I look at it as great now. Well, you but, can look at it as great now. Right. But then, then it was humiliating, you know? Exactly. And everybody in school, oh, you whack, you whack, you whack. Right. So that made me say, you know what? Okay. I got y'all. You'll practice your skills. Oh, yeah. It's over. I so, got So at that time, what <clears throat> records did you go back and learn with and practice the most with? Uh, basically, it was it was all the tracky stuff. Um, okay. Definitely the on and on uh tracks from uh jesse right right uh we did that of course the virgo uh there was stuff from detroit as well was it on metroplex right this was stuff from metroplex as well so i was very into the beats okay so what was the promoter climbing like during this time 
it was very, you know, neighborhood. You know, okay. like I had my own club back then when I when when things progressed. Uh, we had our own venue. I would say this. So we, this was this was in the city still. It's in the city. Okay. Still. Where, where, give me give me location. Where at? Okay. So everything was neighborhood. My neighborhood was called the South Shore neighborhood, which consists of Jeffrey Boulevard, Euclid, Bennett, Ridgeland. Okay. Right. So all the way from, I would say Jeffrey to Stony Island. Yeah. Between seventy fifth and sixty seventh, that square area mm-hmm. was our area. Right. And where we, where, what was the name of the venue where you were spending at at the time? Well, actually, it wasn't. I created one. Everything okay. was basements back then. Okay. So as I progressed, I said, I want to open my own spot. So it was a dude that went to my school, and his family didn't have much money. They were kind of poor. And he was like, man, we got to get money. And we all broke back then. Right. Except Maurice. Let's make sure. <laughs> Lie. <laughs> <laughs> but we all didn't have no money, man. So we all were trying to figure out how to do things. So he had a basement. His house was hardly no furniture. Mm-hmm. He had a basement. Right. We went downstairs and said, let's turn this into something. Okay. I said, okay. My brother Nate was in Woodshop. Okay. I said, look, Nate, I need you and Woodshop with your friends to build subwoofers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're in Woodshop building double scoops. It was a two 18s with the scoop. Wow. So they in Woodshop building the double schools. We get we get the horns. We get everything. Mm-hmm. We wheeling it down from Euclid all the way down four blocks oh, wow. on, 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 on the dolly. On the dolly. Yeah, we you know, <laughs> were no cars. We did everything. So you still in high school at this time? Yeah. Okay. So we did it. I had a guy that was a graffiti artist. I said, man, you want to be cold? He said, yes, paint on the wall. Mm-hmm. He said, well, what are we going to call it? I was like, mm, think it, think it. The Banging Enterprise. Banging Enterprise. The Banging Enterprise. We're okay. going to call it that. Because we in here banging, right? Now, what year is this now? Oh, wow. This has to be 88. Okay. Yeah, we went from, listen, we had a stint. We went from 88 to 90. Oh, wow. Two years. So, it was just you, your brother? <clears throat> well, it's actually, my brother was in Woodshop. Okay. He was more so on the girls and doing okay. his thing, but he did it for me. Right. So, what happened, believe it or not, guys, I started playing there. Lil Lewis played there. Ferris Thomas played there. Mike Williams played there. It got so popular that people brought their real to reels down and banged it. Out. It was it became that in the basement. In, in the, the basement, bro. Enterprises. Yes, sir. You sure about that? So I don't. I'm not gonna get anybody saying that. Hey, man, that's not true. No, that is very true, bro. Wow. And okay. and we had a room where we had beads. Right. And that was a smoke room. Oh wow. Because my guy, he smoked. So where are we gonna smoke weed at? I'm like, well, dude, we got a. I don't smoke. Man. We cover the wall though. So, who house was this? My friend's house. So he he let you smoke and everything in there. Man, his parents was cool because they were getting money. Wow. You know, everybody was poor. Right. And so they was yeah, it was about five dollars to get in. And, okay. Yeah, it was cool. Right. So, how do you feel the DJ culture shifted in Chicago from the early '80s to like '84, '85, and 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 on? Uh, well, I would say this: it's become more uh, lazy. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, uh, we had to put a lot of not only brain power, but also physical uh, in what we did in order to create something, you know. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, things are, are, are made to be easier, i.e. the cell phone, things like that, i.e. the cell phones. But, right. I mean, let's be real. If you still had that effort from back then in right. you, you could conquer yeah. Everything that comes out, and that's what we learn. Yeah, <clears throat> we learn whatever obstacle, find a way. So you started DJ. What was the first record you purchased while you still in high school that you remember that you went to the store and bought? Like I'm gonna buy this once I make <clears throat> some money, and this is my first record purchase. Put this man, my brother and I went to Loop Records. Okay, and there was a because we kept hearing, you know, the Chip E, EP, right, Jack Tracks. Yeah, like. Crazy. All of a sudden, they had copies. Okay. We went downtown on the bus. Got there. It was right there. The guy told us at the time, I think it was eleven ninety nine or something like that. We didn't have no money. Right. I said, bro, what you got? He said, well, I got some change. So we go in our pockets. Right. Purse everything. Do you know? Purse. Pur- purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Please. And listen, you know this guy going to do this all interview. All right, go ahead, man. Purchase. Okay. So we went in our pockets. Da, 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 da. And here's the part that was funny. After we bought it, we was like, yes. Right. We broke. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. We had no transfer. So that record, we took the record to the bus stop. The bus driver pulled up, opened the door. We were like, yo, listen, we're DJs. We just bought this record. We love this record. Right. Man, can we just get on the bus? I mean, we, we, we run out of money. He said, well, <laughs> home is that way. Right, right, right. And so he closed the door. We had to walk all the way home. Wow. Yeah. But you was happy because you had that record. Overjoyed. <laughs> Kept looking at it, talking to my brother, walking all the way up the lake. See, that's good. That's that's great memories yeah, right there. So, yeah. so what Chicago DJs were was most influenced you at the time? And can you talk about what made each of them hot? There were different influences, not just one. I would say um, when you looked at the street level, there was a guy. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers him. His name was David Harrison. Mm-hmm. I remember him coming to my school DJing. And when I watched him... And that's what made me really, because it was early on, what made me really want to get into it. Because watching him do the records, and right. you know, he looked like he was a shy guy. He had the bottle pop glasses, but he had girls around him. Right. That's what made me be like, I want to do that. Okay. So David Harrison. Okay. As we progressed on the radio, you know, of course, everybody says Farley Jack Master Fun. Right. But for me, it was Mickey Mixon Oliver. Okay. For some reason, I liked his style. Right. Uh, it gave me a bit of Latin right. vibes along with the regular house. I like the way he transitioned and blend. Just right. some about Mickey Mix and Oliver right. that did it for me. Oh wow! So how was the Hot Mix Files influence on you as, as coming up? It was huge, man. I mean, anytime that you're waiting for the weekend yeah. to listen, exactly, it's amazing. Yeah. Like everybody was waiting, and then you had your recorder on your boombox, right? Ready, so that when they play that track that you can't get, yeah, you're recording. Right, right. You know right, what I mean. Yeah. And that's how we were able to play certain things because we played with cassette tapes. Okay, so let's let's go further down the years to late '80s, early '90s. Okay, you coming as known as a producer songwriter at this time. Mm-hmm. How, talk about that. How you get from the switch, and you know, transitioning from DJing into. Well, I will say this: I came through a a a a boot camp of great. People. Okay. Okay. Of course, you were involved in that. Um, Maurice Joshua, say the name, <laughs> uh, was very involved with that, uh, as, as well as Byron Stingley. And Byron Stingley was really there for the writing. Mm-hmm. You know, he taught me how to write the melodies, backing vocals, different things. Like He taught me the basis of that. Right. Uh, when it came to actually utilizing it, man, I got to say, not because it's his show. I, I just got to say it, but uh, Maurice, you were definitely, I mean, with production, you let me sit there with you by the board, watch how you did things, how you recorded people in studio over there on McKenzie. Right. You uh, actually took me out, even Byron. Byron and uh, Mike. Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn. Yeah. Sorry, let me say the names. Mike Dunn. Took me out to Italy with them for, the, uh, for a conference. Uh, and you took me, I remember we was going to New York and I'll never forget yeah. this. And you was like, we were in the studio. I'm like, well, who? You wouldn't tell me. Right. I'm like, who are we going in for? So we there, we pull up to the spot. It was right on the corner. i never forget the studio. It was right on the corner. And this limo pulled up. Right. I'm like, who in the limo? Out pops Destiny's Child. <laughs> and I'm up here like, that's the... You're like, yeah. So Well, I, I just say this, Ron. I mean... I have to give flowers, you know, right now where I do. I always saw the potential in there. Uh, I love the way you spun. Thank you. You know, because that's why I had you everywhere I go, mm-hmm. uh, from the spy bar to even doing my graminated party. For real. Uh, with yeah. you and Mike Dunn. I mean, because I, I just, I, I love the way you spin because it was different. Um, I, I don't see you setting your ways of like, oh, I got to play like this. I got to play like no, that. No, never. Been. And you play a lot of new music, which I love. And and that's why I always you know as you one of my top DJs, Thank my you, favorite bro. DJs, man. Thank so you, bro. and then on the vocals and songwriting tip, I think you you definitely had some. I mean, because from everybody you talked about, you you have relationship with Clubhouse Records, yes, with Hula, yes. And um, thank you, Hula. Let me know about that. Thank you. Talk about that. Yo, um, how can I even say, man? Like Big Ed. Big, Big Ed, Ed Matthews. Big Ed Matthews. He goes by Harold Matthews Jr. Right. Uh, him, dude, he was the guy, honestly. Him and Ron Trent were the ones who convinced me 
to sing on house music. Because mm. I was in the church right. after rock. Right. Go figure, right? right? I'm in the church. House of God. House of God. In the church, heavy this time. They're like, Ron, you got to sing on house. I'm like, oh, my dad will kill me. Because you're a PK kid. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, my dad will kill me. Right. No. And so Ed and Ron was like, come on, man. We got the record right here. You could talk about God on it. Right. I'm like, I never thought about that. Right, right. So I would say between Ed, Ron, Trent, myself, we actually came with the first gospel house record. Because it was in 1993. And what was the name? My of Prayer. My Prayer. Nobody was talking about God right. on a the record. Then. My house music. House right. music, right. sorry. But we did that first record. Nice. And so I thank Ed. You know, that's my brother. Uh, Hula, Fingers. Wow. Um, the label, uh, Clubhouse, was one of those labels where you actually wanted to be a part of that family. Yeah. I mean, Curtis A. Jones, which is Cashmere, right. Green Velvet. Right. There's a lot of people. Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson, Dana Stovall. Right. Liddell Towns. Liddell Towns, right. right. And, and I mean, that was a, a crew of people that you definitely want to be now, around. Now, at this time, you develop your, your songwriting skills. Yes. And you said that you take give Byron for giving you credit on that. And for sure. So what has been your biggest songs so far? Okay, so biggest as in the writer. Oh wow. And producing. Oh wow. Um so writing I think has been um I don't know if it was big for Byron, but we worked on this album The Purest together. Mm -hmm. And I um song I wrote with you. Mm -hmm. I did some writing with you with Kim English. Yeah. I don't I don't know how big those records went. Huge. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I know for me, uh, song-wise, Lucky Star with Super Funk was my biggest. The biggest ever. The biggest ever, yeah. Uh, now, tell tell us about how did that transpire? So, people that don't know, Ron, about that was a big record for you. I mean, mm -hmm. just massive globally. Not just here in, right. in the States, right. but internationally. Well, um, back then, let me explain Chicago. So, Chicago had a lot of crews. And the crews were a part of labels. And the label was a crew. And everybody had offices. Very professional. Offices, studios within the buildings. So there was a label called uh, Underground Construction. Mm. That's how it started. Right. Uh, with Andy Adams. is my, you know, rest in peace. Him and Paul and different guys. So. And that's Paul. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just trying to say the uh, name. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not a DJ, Paul. Okay. But uh, then they had the sisters. I'm going to get back to their names. but So they wanted to start a more underground division because they did Hard House. Right. So they started After Hours. Okay. Mozzie, Audio Soul Project, Rick Garcia, Josh Collins, mm -hmm. Lady D. Everybody was a part of this game. So I came in. They accepted me. And then... um. We did a, a record with them. Um, see, this is where the interview gets weird. <laughs> see, right? We were going good. Now I got to think back because I, I, I usually the past back where it was, but I can edit this though. Okay. <clears throat> Give me a second. You were saying about Mozzie and everything after hours, right? So we were after hours. Records and I remember we were we were doing songs. I had my own studio. I was working with Spiro Pagos at the time. Okay, and I remember we uh, at the time, Mozzie uh, was friends with Superfunk. Okay, like they were friends. And Superfunk is out in they're in, they're from France. France. Okay. They're actually from the south of France, Marseille. Okay, and so they sent Mozzie a track. Right, like yo, you know anybody that can write on this and do a, a scratch vocal? Right, okay. So Mozzie was like, yo, my friends got a track. I'm like, all right. I'm in my room. Let me send it to you. Okay, cool. Send it to me. I'm like, all right. Who's it for? Barry White. Ooh. Oh. Oh. All right. Cool. Give me a few. Okay. Back then, I was fast. Maurice could tell you, we would write songs very, very fast. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Da -da 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 -da. Record it. Every night, you look up in the sky, baby. That's a lot. Because I'm thinking about his tone. Right. 
All of a sudden, I sent it back. He sends it to them. Then uh, about two weeks later, because everything was slower then, you know. Right. Two weeks later, he was. They were like, um, Ron, they like it. I'm like, good, okay, good. Right. Well, let's work out something, you know. Yeah. No, no, but here's the catch. What's the catch? They want you to be on it. Oh wow. I'm like me. You said it was for Barry, Barry White, White, dude. Right, right. No, put. I'm like, and I'm thinking publishing. Yeah. Put B White on it. That's right. publishing. Yeah. So he went back. Ron said, put B. White on it. No. Hmm. We want him. And we want that exact vocal. Oh, wow. Like it's a scratch vocal. Right. I know. No, we want that vocal. And I got to the point, I'm like, Mazi, whatever, man. Just send the record off. Right. Now, in the music game, you have slopes, right? So you, you're doing good, you dip. Doing okay, you dip. Now, when I was at After Hours, I was married. Broke as hell. Can I say hell? Yes, you can. Broke as hell. I'm talking about broke. To the point, my wife was eating crackers at work. We were broke. So, at the point, I was like, you know, I don't care, man. Just whatever they want to do. Because my mind was very on her, not having nothing. Right, right. So, he comes back. He says, okay, well, Ron, you know, the record's finished. All right. Right. Great. Good for them. Right. Like, I really didn't care. Right. I had told my wife, matter of fact... A week before then, I said, I'm stopping this. Okay. I'm getting a regular job. I'm done. Right. Right? Because she's been with me the whole time. Yeah. She says, okay. Whatever they want to do. I went out looking for jobs, everything. All of a sudden, it was like, um, Ron, they're going to fly in town. All right. Okay. Right. Well, let me know when they get here. So yeah. they flew in town. So you didn't know what was going on, Steve? No. Okay. And I didn't care at the time. Right. Because my wife was hurting. We, we know. We're going through a lot. All of a sudden, um, they get here. Okay, Ron, they want to meet you. Uh, we're going to go to the hotel and meet with them in the lobby. Blah. I said, okay, whatever. We get there. I meet them. Hello. Nice to meet you. Right. From France. Hey, what up? Very nonchalant. They sit down. We love the record. So we want to keep your voice. I, I'm like, yeah, I heard that. Right. Okay, so here's the plan. We want to do a video in the next three days. Hmm. I'm like, okay. I said, I don't have no clothes. Right. Oh, we'll buy them for you. I'm like, okay. Right. Still okay. Yeah. Shot the video. In Chicago. In Chicago. Right. On the Northwest Side. Okay. Armitage, on uh, California. Okay. Shot it. It was over. Okay, is it over? Yeah, all right. Like that. Very like that. Now, yeah. at this time, have you discussed anything about your writers publishing or anything like that? Nah, see, here's the, we're going to get to the okay. good part. Okay, go ahead. Because, no, I didn't care, remember? Right. I just did it. You just wanted to, you, you didn't care about it no more. No, here. Okay. So then, a couple of weeks went by, had a little job. I told them I'm not coming to the studio. I said, no, come to my house, all right? Went, hey, man, the record might be big. They, mm -hmm. might, they, they might do something. I'm like, okay, whatever. Right. Then they hit me themselves. Ron, we want to fly you to Paris. Ooh. I'm like, for what? <laughs> For what, bro? To, well, to promote. To promote. I got to make money, bro. Right. What are you talking about? No, no. We make sure you're okay. I talked to my wife. Want me to do it? She said, yeah, go do it. Yeah. So, you know, at the time, they mail you tickets. See, it wasn't all this quick stuff. Yeah. I got the tickets in the mail. Open the ticket up. It said first class. Whoa. So then I'm like. Something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. First class? Right. I'm like, no way. So I was so stupid about that day. I was trying to pack frantically. Right. I missed the first flight. Oh, my goodness. So I missed the first flight. I had to get on the second, which was just business. Right. But, you know. Yeah. And I got on a bit. Never sat in that either. Right. So I sat in the business, flew down. That's the best way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I landed. I was like, okay, well, let me walk through the terminal. Right. Somebody was standing right there with the Mr. Carroll. What's your name? I said, what's going on? Right. I'm thinking I got to take a train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get there. We walk outside. It's a Mercedes. So the did it hit one. you then? Nope. It didn't hit you then yet? Nope. Okay. I'm just like, they really, for me, because, you know, I've been in they the game a long they, time. They trying to I'm set like, you up. Right. right. They put it on. You, right, you know, they right, really right. put it on. Good right. for them. Right. So I get in the car. I'm laid back, and I'm looking around the car like, man, this feels a little good here, mm -hmm. you know? Get to the hotel. 
I go into the hotel. Hello, Monsieur Carol. We take your bags to the. I'm like, okay. Yeah. We get up to the room. Now, two days go by. Nobody said anything. Now, that was weird. Call my wife, said, see, I've been sitting here for two days. Nothing. Right. See, this is game I'm talking about. I'm always. You were pissed off. You ain't say game. Yeah, yeah, right. I did. I was bad. You ain't say no game, no. I know you. Yeah, I know I did not. You right. know, it was TV. <laughs> so then, uh, second day, I get a call. Can you come down to the lobby? So I meet this sweet older lady. I don't know if she wants her name, but she's a part of Virgin Records okay. at the time. And she's the one who discovered Daft Punk and signed him. Okay. So we sat down and talked. And she's like, yeah, Ron, sorry about this. We're just trying to come up with a plan. Everything is moving very quickly. So we have to make sure how we utilize you while you're here. Right. I said, okay. She said, come into the office with me. So she said, meet me at the office. Okay, we met. Got to the office. Everybody was there. Like a board meeting. Right. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Now, I haven't met Super Funk yet. Right. After the video after, shoot. After the video shoot. I haven't seen them. They ghost you. So we all shaking hands and everything. Uh, and so once we got in there, the office, and that's when it hit me. Right. Because they were like, we're going to do this plan, that plan, TV this, radio that, interview here, interview there. And I'm like, yo, how long am I going to be here? Yeah. I'm thinking it's a weekend. Right, right. And so the lady from Virgil says, uh... Maybe six weeks. I said, wait a minute. Wait, hold on. You just started a job. Hold on, right? man. I just started a job. We we don't have no money. My wife right. at home, no. Right. So I'm going to try to shorten this story because okay. it could be long. Right, right. It's Go a ahead. good one. Go ahead. But I'll put it this way. We went to the publisher. Right. The evil, diabolical <laughs> publisher. I'll never forget it. Went into the office and he's sitting there with his shirt on with the suspenders. Right. Raggedy hair. You know how I go. Right. He's very, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes to me. He says, oh, hey, Mr. Carroll. Good to see you. Da, da, da. Very English. Good. was great. Right. Uh, so we have a contract. Guess what, guys? This thing. Wow. I looked at that contract like, uh-uh. Nope. Wild of that. What's all this for? Right. It's simple. No, it was this thing. Okay. So everybody's like, well, Ron, you know, it's about everything legal. Right. You know, what needs to happen if this happened? And this, this. I'm like, nah, man, that, that's come on. That's crazy. Now, if it was like that, maybe, but I've right. seen things like that, <laughs> but you give me the big book, you know? So here's what happened. And this is what messed it up. But I mean, whatever. It worked, but it didn't work. Okay. I said, I need to call my wife. Right. Because they were going to give me a $30,000 advance. Okay. Call my wife. I said, babe, this contract is too thick. It just, I don't feel comfortable. It's like something's going on scheme, you know? Right. Uh, so I, at that time, why don't you think about like, can I call somebody at the crib to find out? What was going on? You wasn't thinking nothing like that at the time. I mean, but honestly, at the time, Mo, who could I call? You know, you had people that, you know, at the time, you know, the, the city, I don't want to bring this part up of the city, but, you know, there are people that don't want to really see progression. Well, I think I think if you would have reached out to the right person, Ryan, that you've been dealing with. You knew a lot of people, me, Hula, yeah. uh, East Move, Eric East Move, Miller, yeah, true. that could have read something for you and been like, hey, man, this is the deal that you need to take. You know what? At the time, you're right. Yeah. I could have. And I just called my wife at the time. And then what happened? And when I told her about the advance, she started crying. She says, we need that, baby. We need it. Right. I'm like, but they going to keep me out here for six weeks. Right. Well, baby, you've been wanting this, but we need And so right. after that on the phone, my heart is all messed up. Right. You know, I get back to the table. I'm like, I'm like, okay, just do me a favor. They said, what? Send all of it to her. Okay. What? Yeah, send it all to her. Right. So I decided, and as I'm signing it, I'm looking around, Mo. Okay. And they're all looking like, you know how the eyes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, good. So you didn't look at the contract at all? You didn't even read it? No. Wow. Ignorance, man. 
Okay, so what happened after all that? Pretty much, we did everything. Commercials. Right. Uh, song was put on Coca-Cola commercials. So did you ever know what would your publishing split on that? Uh, <laughs> or did you have any publishing on well, that? Well, here's the thing. That contract written me off the record altogether. Mm. Yeah. Wow. The advance was me giving away all my rights. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the thing about it is that the, the guys in Marseille, they knew it. Yeah. They knew what I was signing. Yeah. And only later on, one of them reached back to me because he became a Buddhist. Right. And he was like, Ron, I'm sorry. Right. But. Because yeah. that record made millions. What? Yeah. I was watching them all buy new houses. Yeah. Cars. Yeah. Every time I travel there, he pulling up in a new ride. Right. And I'm like, but what? I mean, I think everything happens for a reason. And, for sure. And, and, and you, what you, you, you should have known, but I guess you know everything. Everybody, we can't say what we were doing that in, in that time when when you in in, in that predicament. So for we sure. can't judge you and be like, damn, Ron, you. It was it happened because it was at a point in your life where you didn't have nothing. And you was like, I had to feed my family. That's it. It you was know? a necessary move, right? And it also made me grow. Yeah, but I, it also made you not only do that, but you work with Bob Sinclair. Yes. Um, you a lot did, came from yeah, it. Yeah, you did a lot of touring after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a good thing. So, you do a, you do a great job, man, at stay, staying relevant globally. Yeah. But you maintain a local presence as well. Yeah. Why is the local scene still important to you? I would always say that the place where you grew up from should always love you as well. There's a lot of people that I've watched uh, make it. Right. And then they want to shun this city. Yeah. They want to talk about this city and outline, you know, suburbs. They want to talk about it, say it's nothing. Yeah. And to me, no. I think uh, this home is what built you, is what made you. And I think it's important to always maintain that. Okay. Because when that crashes and burns. Yeah. You're going to come back home to nothing. Right. Because they're going to be like, screw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you had some controversy releases with remaking uh some of Chicago House classics. Yes, I have. Yes. What is your rebuttal to your critics regarding the proper writer's credits and possible copyright infringement? Okay, so... Knowing that mm -hmm. you got screwed over by somebody else. Exactly. Okay, Okay. no, that's a great question. Okay. And I'll say this. When I was... um, Well, you know, there's a backline story of, of attitude. So... Coming up, you know, there's people that you're around and you know that they're haters and you right. know that they don't want to see you really go nowhere. Okay. You know the ones. You right. see them. Okay. So when I was doing this project, and I forget what I call it, Chicago something. You know the name? You got I don't it? know the name, okay. but I'll put it up there. As, yeah, you know, okay, good. This interview. So I did it. My first thing was I wanted to sit and have a meeting with everybody that I did the track right. remake. And say, guys, this is how I meet, remake y'all stuff. Right. Right? And I want to put it out, right? Right. And a thought went through my head like, Ron, they're not going to do that. They're going to look at you and hate and not want you to put it out. But that's the devil speaking to you right there. I, well, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, but it happens. I'm telling you, the mind is amazing. And I hope we get to the part where I change the way I thought. Okay. When we get to that part. But at the time... I know that it, those tracks sounded great. You know, like I refurbished them. So what I did was I went to track stores. I said, look, I don't want a dime. Okay. You have all of their names in your system. Yes. Okay, cool. Now, I'm not telling them, but all the publishing, I looked up all the publishing. Right. I put it in the credits. I said, everybody get money from it. I'm not making a dime. I just want to put it out. Now, I told Track Source that. But you didn't tell none of the artists. I didn't tell that artist that, right? right? So they didn't know that that was the plan. Right. And so I said, yeah, they said, you don't want to make nothing. I said, no, because it's theirs. I just, just make sure that when if, if money's made, it go to them. But how can they do that when they haven't signed anything with those proper artists? I mean, you know the owner. Right. You know the owner. <laughs> <laughs> when you know the owner or something, you know. So, well, what's, so what happened after that? So I put it out. Okay. Ta-da-da, right? right? I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, now no one said anything. Yeah. Except one guy. Who was that? Chippy. Okay. Because I did like this. Okay. And Chippy said, how are you going to put my record out? Right. 
I remember I got a call. No, it was an uh, email or something, text. Okay. And I said, oh, no, no, talk to him. He said, call me. And I was on the phone with him. You can't do that. I said, okay. I said, you know what, Chip? You're right. I could have done it another way. I said, listen, I'll take it down. Right. I said, no problem. That's all I said. I'll take it down. I was made, I made the call. Right. Take the project down. Okay. The next day, he made a whole post about how I'm a thief. <laughs> After well, we I'm, talked about it. Well, I mean... I get it. Devil's advocate here. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it was already out. Damage is done already. Absolutely. Um, that thought that you had in your mind that you should have sat down with everybody. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, you know, if somebody did that same thing with your material, your catalog, they've done it. I don't think you'd be like, okay, they've done it. Well, you, I've heard my two acapellas. Wrongs, two, two wrongs no, don't make no, a right. No, absolutely. I'm not. Listen, on this interview, I'm not saying that I should have done it. Right. I'm just saying that it's done a lot. It's been done to me. Right. I shouldn't have done it. Right. Um, but I. You know, I thought by me allocating funds and publishing the right way, yeah, that but it was if, still you, if you're not telling the that's the key, the the, the key people right. that situation, that's the idiocy. Of course, of it. it's gonna look like you stole their stuff. Absolutely, that's the idiocy of it. Okay, altogether, and I admit that. Okay, that was an idiotic move. Okay, and so from that, you know, you learn again. Right. This this whole life is about. But do you learn? Do you really learn from it? Yeah. Okay. So this this new record you have the mysteries. Yeah. Okay. Which is you know got got a lot of buzz on there. Yeah. Did you go to the proper person? The label did. The label did. Yeah. But you put it out before them. Though. Well, I I threw it out. Yeah, I did. I ain't gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> okay, you threw it out. But did you call Larry Heard, uh, Fingers Inc. or anybody who? Larry, owns- I would tell you right now if you watch this, no. I did not call Larry because I'm gonna tell you I did the record. Okay, Ron, but see this this is where you. I I know I know the hypocrite. You, you, you said you learned from the the first mistake. Yes, and you doing it again. I did it again. Why? Who knows? There's no answer for it. Because <laughs> when something comes out hot, there's no answer for it. I okay. did it to play. Right. And when I played it, it was like. It was going across said, This work, oh, okay. Yeah, because it's a record they know already. Exactly. So that's don't, why. Don't, 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 don't. So I was like, and the way I did it in a little break, and it. So said, you didn't reach out to anybody to be like, listen, I'm, I'm trying to redo, not even redo it, but just you took it and you didn't say anything. Mm. Wow, Ryan. No. That's ballsy, brother. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's not like there's no defense to it. I mean, but Chicago people steal each other stuff all no, day. No, but it's not. We ain't talking about Chicago. I'm talking about Ron Carroll. Ron, no, Ron Carroll did mysteries. Yes, I did. So if if say a, a big time EDM person mm-hmm. took took your vocals mm-hmm. and and made it huge and didn't give you no credit, how would you feel about that? Oh no, I mean, of course you'd be upset. About you would want to go after them. Well, not after. I would just. I'd be like, can no, we? No, you would go after. Hold them. Hold on, G. Okay. Because somebody's done it. I keep telling you. No, somebody. My pro- my, my acapellas are all in the ether. Right. And they're always used, okay. okay, on people's dubs, whatever. I hear them all the time. Okay. Just like Roland Clark. His stuff is always used. Okay. And what I've done, I don't attack people. I just, I go to them and say, hey, what label is it on? You right. tell me, okay. I call the label. Hey, guys, you know. You got your vocals in it. They, my they vocals. Try, they try to square up everything. Yeah, and they'll be like, well, yeah, we, we didn't know that they didn't get permission. Because they labels don't, they don't be caring about that type of stuff sometimes. Right. And so I would go to them and find out what we can do. Right. That's all. And I'm not saying that I should have still done it because of that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But Ooh. it's all this, but this whole industry is all impulse. For me, it's impulse. It's impulse, but it's also doing the business right, Ron. I mean, yeah. if you steady doing old Chicago shit mm-hmm. and keep on and, and having that track record, <laughs> it's gonna be the, your your name gonna be the same in, thing happened with bad boys. Right. I redid a Bad Boys. Right. Where I actually replayed it. And I actually did the vocal myself. Right. And I made my voice. Now, that, that can be a remake. You, I mean, the records are oh, just no, long. It was, you put the... it was a big thing, bro. They went crazy. <laughs> no, they went crazy. Who, who went crazy? Uh, some lady that was in New York. And she was like, I work with Jamie. And, you know, I'm going to tell so him. So did, did Steve or James, Steve Hurley, Jamie Principal, anybody come out? Oh, my you? God. I did it with Steve, too. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the song? I redid. Uh, 
So I redid, you took Steve's stuff and then well, hold on, too blind to see it. I redid it. I know you. That's the I Kim redid Sam. it with Ed, well, my uh, my singer Aries. Yeah, you did, but you just it's okay to remake the record, but you just took the instrumental of who of too blind to see. No, it. I redid it. Okay, you redid it. Yeah. So it's a remake. Right? Yes. Okay, so it wasn't nothing where you and just, I talked to uh, Steve when I Steve I talked to Skip. Okay. About it. What they say? And Skip was like, Ron. I mean, he was like, Come on, man. And I was like. I'm like, I know, man. But he was like, no, but I like it. It's good. Is that who's singing it? And I told him who's singing it. Right. He said, no, it's done well. He said, but you got so many people involved. Right. And I said, you know what? Yeah. And mysteries. I'm going to say this right now on camera. <laughs> <laughs> so so we get it straight. All, all of the older stuff that I grew up on, I love it so much. And I think that um, in my mind, I just want to hear a fresher well, I, I get that, but it. you can hear for you. I, I don't hear you never taking any New York stuff or any Europe stuff and doing the same thing what you do with Chicago stuff. Well, it wasn't good. What do you mean? There's some New York records. No, or, or, or well, no, Europe. there's some Jersey stuff. So, I, but not New York. New York was very. Come on, come on, mom. They they, they have some records. That Jersey you, was raw like us. Right. You could do Jersey. You haven't do Jersey. You didn't do New York. You didn't even do anything over in Europe. But you always take Chicago shit. Where am I from? You from what did I grow up on? Yeah, but that, that and you grew up in the in the point of people been taking our shit, yeah, and doing this wrong, and you doing the same thing as they as say for a tracks record to do. Mm. You're doing the same thing. Yes. So, but why? This the this the part of the interview you can't answer. But no, it, you have to answer because it's oh, you know what? This is gonna be on the, this interview. Oh yeah, it's because you're and this gonna be on live with oh, people getting. You, I'm getting looking at it right now, brother. You know what? This and you know what? I, I believe <laughs> But I'm just saying I believe Maurice to, brought me here to do this. No, you, you have to stop the match. I mean, no, no, I'm just saying it stops with us. If you want to do right, you got if you want to be right, you gotta do right. So I'll say this, guys, on camera. I've experienced, which I get, uh, what I did, of course, but I experienced a lot of hate here. And people don't ever really want to work with me here. Well, let's, hold on. Wait, wait, don't, let, let, let me let, let me say my part though. Okay, all right. And don't edit it. See, this is not going to be edited. It's a lot of people. I've experienced a lot of pushback and backlash from my Chicago counterparts, my whole career almost. So it's kind of like when you, and, and it's no. First of all, you're supposed to do proper. If you can't do it, you can't do it. I get it. If it's a no, it's a no. So I'm not excusing it. But what I'm saying, what made the impulse happen and me do it is for the love of the music, right. first. Secondly, don't go about it that way because, it's well, none of it was intended, how we go, intended to come out commercially. It was just for me to play. The responses is what fueled it. Like, man, they love it. I didn't think they were going to love it. Right, but if that response is you keep it for yourself so it'd be just exclusive to you. Right. And everywhere you go, you get that reaction. Right. Not to sell somebody else's stuff, and then and then everybody get to have it, or you could have called them, and be like, "Let's do this together, put it back out again, mm -hmm. and then have both in the names of be uh, fingers that uh, featuring Ron Carroll or you know, whatever Chip E and Ron Carroll." You know what? That's what we would do yeah. going forward. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank. I think that now the respect is there enough where people will work with me. But, but see, I think I think your past has something to do with why, why you're doing this. You said a lot of people. Hated on you, bro. I think a lot of people help you, but they hate on you because of what you do. Okay, and you do that's that's not right. Okay, I think that's the issue. And okay, you gotta be transparent about it. Okay, because it is what it is. Yeah, but because your talent outweighs everything, Ron. If if you go ahead and do it the right way, correct. You're talented, brother. I think you're very talented in DJing and producing. Mm, thank you. Because I see that you you, you be you, you know you've been on the EDM side. Yep. And you've been on the regular soulful house music side. Yeah. So I, I, I think you could transition and do both. But um, do you believe that these worlds can truly blend as a healthy underground soulful house relationship? Like, this is my next question. Mm -hmm. EDM and soulful. You think they can come together? No. They weren't meant to come together. Okay. EDM was a created um, genre by the by the elites in the industry. Okay. Um. They saw how big it was getting, right. and they wanted their own controlled lane. 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 Yeah. And so, you know, house is what it is. House encompasses all things. Right. Let's just get that straight. 
Techno comes from house. It, so house in, is is a tree that encompasses all things, right? Right. I would say with EDM, they saw how many people were loving it and, uh, you know, clenching on to it. So there was an agenda. See, that's going to get into the spiritual aspect because elitists have agendas, right. no matter what it might be, you know, whether they want you to buy more soap or more of this, you know, <laughs> they have agendas. And I believe they took house music and segued it their way. Well, I think they, al- they, they always take our stuff. And, 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 and rename it, rebrand it, and it's the same old thing, but they, they put their info on it. So what is EDM? They, they take us out. It's house music. But yeah, it's electronic dance music. Right. That's house. house music, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they just took it, and they wanted to build their own, because it's nothing but progressive music. Yeah. It's progressive. It's, it's hardcore, slow down. Right. That's all it is. But right. they put a, a title on They got their stars, and they pushed their... So since, since you've been traveling and, and you've been globally a lot and you know what's going on overseas, Ron, what could Sofa House do differently to ensure its survival? Well, first accepting that it will always be an underground movement. Okay. So you, you think a Sofa record can never go pop and be a huge successful as any of these EMD EDM songs well I think that vocal soulful house should be in the states the new adult contemporary okay the new R&B just like Teddy Pendergrass get up get down get funky get loose I believe that if that direction is taken because the stuff you've done, Moda, all that vocal stuff you've done, right. that should be on adult contemporary radio. Right. It should be a different category. Yes, different. absolutely. And it should be three minutes and played on the radio. Right. In so regard. so in your regards to Sofa House, mm-hmm. do, you, do you still love it? Do you? Do oh, you... I play it now. I came back to it. Okay. I get. I got out of EDM. I was tired of it. Right. Um. I was tired of it. I was over it. Those people very lofty in there and a lot of them are lofty in their headspace. Right. They're not realistic in their headspace a lot. Everybody wants to be a star. Nobody wants to really put no really no grit in it. Right. And and so I just was like, okay, I'm done. Right. I'm done. Okay. And uh yeah. So <laughs> we're back to our basics again. So hence yeah. hence yes. mysteries. Right. Hence, but I've done stuff other than that, besides mysteries. Yeah, you you have you done some great work, but I think like the negative outweighs the good stuff that. Oh, you've it done. always does. A negative charge is always worse, right? Because you can stop that though. We, okay, that's what I'm saying. We're gonna I'm stop. To, it. I'm just trying to keep it positive. You can stop it, of course, again. Because if you don't want it, but I think you like it because it feeds you into that and it gets you going and everything. I think you you kind of sadistic where you like that. Sadistic. Yeah. What do you mean? Because I mean, you 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 like that pain because people keep telling you like you're doing something wrong, and you say yeah 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 I know it, but you still do it, and it still give you a, some type of thrill to it. You know what? This interview is gonna go the wrong way in, in the world. I already know it. It really is. So let's let's go ahead on. Let's Mo go. Yeah, this going this is yeah. This, okay. So it's Chicago you, guy that used to live in Chicago, mm-hmm. Leonard Remix Roy. A yeah. DJ from Chicago's early yeah. beginning yeah. has quite been vocal in a negative way about your contribution to house and you know how you said you've been uh in this game for 30 years and is you know and all this other stuff. And he says it's a lack of retirement benefit to DJs. Do you want to respond to this comments or do you believe there should be a DJ union for this sort of thing? And what's your personal exit strategy? Well, I would say this. Um everyone, everyone has their own lane and, and, and vibration in the music and, and what they do. Right. Uh, Leonard Roy had his, his way and very highly respected in the lane that he was in at the time. Um, I met Leonard Roy, uh, when I played at the rink fitness factory. Okay. Uh, it was every Saturday and it was on a small, uh, skating ring. That's also where, you know, I met Lil John and other people. And, uh, I met Roy then, but Roy was, he was out in the military at the time when I was like, I was, I guess I was a fill-in right. with other people. And um, 
I remember yeah, he, he was gone while you was coming up. Yeah, right. and so I remember when he came back, and everybody was like, "Oh, Leonard's back!" So I'm like, "Who?" Like you know, right. they're like Leonard Roy, like for real, he's coming back here. Yeah, was, so everybody was excited. I met him, and he he tore the house down, scratching and you know doing all that. And I didn't. Come, and another thing, guys, there are different cultures. Right. There's the hot mixed culture, the scratching like the hip hop. Right. All that's encompassing the house, and so he was one of those guys. So I was impressed. Like, Roy is great, you know? But what happened was certain people get out, right? Right. Okay. You, you want to exit? It's fine. Right. But what they do is they get out and they decide the life that they want to live, which he did, which is good, retirement. <laughs> right. and some people want to retire, some people don't. Right. And he decided to retire. So I'm happy that he found a way to retire, to be with his family, right. and to live a good life. Right. The attacks, and this is what I mean, he attacks me because I celebrated 30-something years right. in the game. You got to remember, Chicago was built in sections. There was your very segregated, okay? Very. You had your straight scene, your gay scene, your white straight scene, your white gay scene, black gay scene, black straight scene, right. Latin scene, everything was right. like this. So my years were in the black gay scene. When everybody was over here doing straight parties, I was at the clubhouse, I was at the generator, places like that. I was playing, I was here, right. I had a packed room, right. but it, it's not... But every, there were people that were playing back in the day that's here now right. that you never seen. Right. So I never doubt someone's history in this culture. I just, I can't. Okay. Because we're all older. Right. You had to be there somewhere. Right. You know, uh, like uh, the chosen few. Right. You know, a lot of people would argue and say, well, they weren't back in the day. But they were. Yeah. But it was on another scene. Correct. It wasn't on this scene. Right. So you can't negate that they weren't there. Two things can be true at the same time. Absolutely. Right. So they did have their scene. Yeah. But it maybe it wasn't the populace right. to the heads yeah. that went to the warehouse. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, they do the gym rooms. Okay. Right. That's the scene, though. Yeah. It's all a part of the house right. and disco. Right, 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 right. So... You know, so he just, you know, he's going crazy <laughs> and everything and... But to me, I feel that when people do that, they miss it. Yeah. They want to be in it. Yeah. But they don't know how to get back in it. Right. Okay. And I told them. Yeah. I said, Leonard, I'll fly you in. You want to do a party? Right. I said, I'll fly you in. We'll play together. Okay. I offered it. And no response? He, he, you know, he went and did another YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> and I was being honest. Like, I was going to really do a party. Right. And honor him. Come on in. Yeah. If and, you miss playing, right. I'll come come on. And the reason why I say this, Ron, because you, you do have history in this game. Um, I think you're a great DJ myself. Thank you. Oh, you I, you've helped me a I lot. I would never put you on anything that no. I, I don't deserve. And and I think you can hold a crowd your own where to the point of I don't need to guide you anywhere. Ron, do your thing, play mm. what you gotta play, and that's it. Mm. And I think you can move a crowd with 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 the best of them, you know. So on that being said, uh oh. This past Grammy that happened today. Yeah. And you and you work with me with Destiny Child from everybody. Yeah, too. absolutely. Beyonce said that she she thanked the queer community mm -hmm. for creating this genre mm -hmm. called house slash dance music. Yes. What is your opinion about that? Well, you gotta also take this in account. I said the elite that run the industry have agendas. And when you an artist signed to the elite establishment of the of the uh, system, you have to go with what that agenda is. You and and it's and that's why when you look at television, all of that, it's all agenda based. So Beyonce said what she was told to say. Okay, so you know, you know, because now, it's, now it's a queer, the, it's a queer the situation. Truth to it now. So break it down. I mean, you look at the or see this. This I'm another, not talking about culture. I'm talking about the origins, the actual creation of house music. The creators, correct. 
who have the machines. The young kids from right. So, outside, uh, so are we saying were Chicago, they gay or were they straight? We, we, I'm just saying that it was that a true statement that she made. The creation, knowing no. your history of no, house music, not at all. Thank you. No. Okay. No, that uh, they weren't creators, but they were the ones who, after the creation was done, adopted it and lived it and and, and made it a culture in which people followed. Right. I, and I would say that they did adopt and they loved it and they got their life off of it. Nice. And that's what made it, made other people be like, man, what is that? So right. it was their vibration off the sound right. that made it noticeable to a lot of people. Yeah. But the actual sitting down at the board, well, I mean, I use these terms, but yes, it was more so heterosexual okay. individuals. Yeah. So Ron, tell the viewers about your any upcoming releases you got coming up, man. I hate to say it because it may <laughs> <laughs> have you stolen any more? <laughs> no, I have not. I have not. I have not. I have not. So tell tell the everything in house music and more crew, man, and all the subscribers about Ron Carroll next project. So on. basically, uh right now there's a label that's from New York called Easy Street Records who I've teamed up with and um this is where we do a lot of vocal house stuff with. Mm -hmm. um, just recently released a track with myself and Swaylo called Something Beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, also, we just signed with signed up Sean Christopher, a legendary name. Oh, nice. Did a song with her that's charting right now. Um, the next one's coming out is by myself produced uh, Miranda Nicole. Okay. It's called Love of My Life. Um, my old artist, I used to work with Aries Adora. Uh, we did a song in 2018 called Magic Carpet Ride. Great record. Uh, which actually is coming back out on Easy Street. Okay. And I think Eric Cupper may remix that. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, so I've been doing that on the vocal side. On the tracky side, I have my Ron Tracks right. label. Ron Tracks. Ron Tracks. With the red circle. Okay. With the Ron Tracks on the slant. Oh. Another take, see? Right. Like Tracks Records. I, tracks Records. You can take that, man. That's no problem. Oh, he doesn't care about that no, one. I'm just laughing. And and he, and for the record, all the tracks that he said I stole is all owned by Sandlar. Now that could be another interview. Oh, it's, Sandlar it's Publishing right. owned well, every it, track. We we in a lawsuit with and, right and now, Ray so. Barney. Right. Ray Barney from Dance Mania owns a lot of stuff too. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, it's not great. It's not a great thing. I'm just saying that. Business. If we want to talk business, well, I could go to I could go to Rachel Kane. You should. Have. You and should say, have can I have permission? Right. And she probably say sure. <laughs> but you didn't do that though. No, I didn't do that. No, so didn't. any collaboration you still would like to see happen with Ron Carroll? I would like to do another record with Maurice. Me I mean, too. You know, I think uh, I think we should do another one. I would like to do another. It's not about new producers to me. It's about connecting with my brothers. I would like to do another one with Mo. I like to do another one with Hula. Okay. Cause I like Hula's raw style. Something yeah. about Hula. It's different. It's different, but it worked, don't yeah, it? Yeah. I would like to do a song with E Smooth. In other words, if my wish to do an album project with all my older brothers. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Well, I'm game for it, man. Just like we we doing new stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. Not taking anything else. You know. And this is you know what? And I'm gonna tell you something about this whole interview. <laughs> That section is about to blow. Oh yeah, the internet that's gonna completely be the teaser too, up. Man, so don't worry about that. Yes, that's gonna be a teaser. But I want to like thank everybody tuning in for everything house music. Thank more. you. Remember to click the button, hit the subscribe button, and listen for the notifications. And Ron, you had a sponsor for this episode, and the sponsor is Aqua Pana. If you right. want good spring water out of a glass bottle, the best way and the best taste is Aqua Pana. Again, Ron Carroll, I want to say thank you, brother. I love you, man. Love you uh, too, man. This I is love real. Your production. I love your DJing, man. Thank you. Um, I think you 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 do have input in this house music. Wow. Um, thank you. But just do it the right time and right way from yeah, now on. With okay. the old okay, let me all right. I'm gonna sit at the table with the older <laughs> cast and we gonna sort it out. Okay. So uh, hold on. Yeah. Before we end this, you said you own the club. I want to talk about the club you own. Um. Okay. So the club that I owned. 
No, that was back in the day, bro. No, no, you said you you got a. Oh, I'm sorry. You said you got a restaurant. I should say. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, this is your restaurant. No, well, it's not. I'm a part. You know, a little part of it. Okay. But you know, when you get a little slither, you feel good about it, right? So you you exaggerated that the owner part of the restaurant. Well, I mean, if you got a percentage, <laughs> you got a, what's your percentage? Point zero 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 three. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> you see, hey, anybody, look. If you got 5, 10, 15% of something, you're an owner, ain't you? I believe so. I don't know. I, I don't say anything, but okay, yes. But name the restaurant so you can plug that too, please. Okay, so the restaurant, you got to go to the real boss boss owner is Dino. You know Dino. It's called Storyville. Okay. 712 North Clark. Okay. Great New Orleans food. Great ambiance. It's a good time. There you go. So once again, Ron, thank you, brother. Love you, man. And um, looking for good things coming up for you in the future, brother. Thank you. This was a setup interview. It's not no setup, <laughs> It brother. was. Again, thank you for tuning in, y'all. And we talk to y'all soon. Peace, y'all.